Hey y'all, it's Vanessa with the Luxury Minimalist Traveler. I'm back. I hope you are all well. Um, today I'm going to be doing a one call. Um, there'll be, I think, three calls in total um, for this particular class, which is on traveling, traveling on a limited budget, the pros and the cons. So today's call will be the pros uh, the next call will be the cons, and then there'll be a bonus call for you that will uh, discuss, um, you know, traveling under COVID-19 slash coronavirus. So we'll, um, we'll talk about how that will affect uh, your, your budget travel with this new era of travel. But today we're just going to focus on uh, the pros um, not necessarily positives or negatives, but just the pros. Here's, here, you know, here, here's what you have going for you if uh, you've got a limited budget. And I'll be talking about my own um, particular experiences with this because my, you know, early days of solo travel dealt with a ton of, uh, of uh, limited, limited budget, um, you know, small budget wasn't a, and I'm not still, I'm not a, I'm not a high baller, you know, yet, but, um, my, my, uh, you know, my little travel account was definitely a lot smaller <laughs> back then than it is now. And, you know, the reason I'm doing these calls is, you know, a lot of these tips that I'm going to be giving you, I wish someone had kind of given me and kind of hit me to the game. Um, there's tons and tons and tons of articles and blog posts, about budget travel, but I don't know, sometimes it's a little bit, you know, a little bit idealistic, um, paints too much of a positive spin on things, um, doesn't kind of get nitty gritty. So I'm just going to share with you and everybody's experience is different. So you're just going to get my take on things. Um, so I'm not saying it's going to be the same for you or it's been the same for everybody else, but I'm going to give you, um, my spin on things. So let's get started. The first uh, topic I wanted to talk about, the first pro for traveling on a limited budget is um, the economics of it. So a great thing is that you don't need a lot of money to start traveling. If you wanna start traveling, um, especially traveling solo, um, there's this misconception that, you know, you, you need to be, you know, a millionaire or have a trust fund. And you'll certainly meet people like that who have their parents bank bankrolling their, their travels and hell towards the end of my backpacking trip, you know, I was begging for money from my parents as well. So I, you know, no shame in that. Um, but you know, you certainly, if you're planning it right, you don't, um, need a lot of money. It depends on where you're going and for how long, um, you're going and, you know, what, you know, what, what, what your style of style of travel is, what you think you'll need. So I just, I'm here to tell you, you don't need a ton of money to start traveling. Um, you can certainly plan it on your own. You don't need to pay someone else to do it, especially, especially if you have a limited budget, you can't afford to pay anybody <laughs> to, to plan your trip. Um, there's lots of travel itineraries online for people with limited budgets. Um, and in a pretty much every major destination, you guys, like if you're going to, 
um, you know, Thailand, or if you're going to Europe, you know, Southeast Asia, Europe, Australia, you know, the United States, Central America, uh, South America, wherever, Africa, there's plenty of itineraries of people who have stretched their, I'm going to say dollar because I use dollars, but who have stretched their currency, just how much can I get for a little bit of money? So you, there are so many resources online, uh, blog posts, videos, all of that stuff. So they're, now they may not be customized for you. So that's another thing. I'll talk about that in the in uh, call two with the cons, but there are different itineraries that you can customize for you, for your taste, for what you like. But for me, um, economics-wise, I knew uh, the travel style of backpacking was my best option um, if I wanted to travel longer than a few days or a few weeks. I wanted to be gone for a couple months. I will actually, I had booked for my backpacking trip, I had booked a one-way flight. So uh, maybe I thought I was going to be gone for a year. Even if I did have the money, looking back, there was no way in hell I would have lasted a year. Even if I had enough money to last me a full year, like it's just when you're traveling and then you're not working and you're literally just bouncing from hostel to hostel, country to country, city to city, whatever. You know, I, and I'll talk about this later on in, in the pros, but I needed something to occupy my time with and, and I didn't do as good of a job as I should have. So, you know, I think I was gone for about half, little less than half the year left in January, got back in May of 20, it, this was 2017. So yeah, left after Trump got inaugurated and came back in May. So th that was plenty. Like I, I, I was actually on the road too long. I should have gone back home way before that, but that's another story for another time. So for the economics portion of this, of this conversation, um, for this class, I would say, um, backpacking is definitely going to be your best bet, uh, with a limited budget and doing the hostel thing is going to be, um, you know, your best bet with, uh, you know, with accommodations, um, eating at local uh, eateries. Um, I, people kind of go overboard with the live like a local, live like a local. You're never truly going to be a local. It doesn't matter how cheap your food is, how ratty your clothes are, how ratty your accommodations are. And it's kind of an insult too. not every local lives like a pauper. There are locals who are doing very well in the middle class, upper class. There are locals that are um, wealthier than you are. Even when you're in your own home country, they're wealthier than you are, um, could outspend you in your home country. So don't assume, you know, uh, living like a local when you're traveling equals poverty. That That's not, I don't want you to get that idea from what I'm saying. Um, there's, there's different types of living like a local. Um, but I will say when you're backpacking, I think your best option, um, or if you're on a limited budget, your best option would be backpacking and sticking to, um, you know, hostels, um, less expensive guest houses, um, less expensive Air, Airbnbs, and then certain countries as well, where your dollar, where your currency is going to go further. I knew from the research I did my currency was going to go farther in places like um, Southeast Asia. Now, it could have gone further as well in places like Mexico or, or South America or Africa, but I knew I wanted to visit a couple spots and I, I didn't want a huge, big hassle with getting around. And I just, I just love, I fucking love how Southeast Asia is laid out. I just like how travel is laid out with, with Asia. The, so many people have done the backpacking thing in Asia. It's just the, you know, they, I think they call it the backpacker route. It's just, 
you freak out and then you get there and you talk to people and you just realize why the hell was I freaking out to begin with? Like, it's just, it's laid out there for you. Um, I ended up seeing the same people in different countries. Like, I think we'd exchanged numbers. And so we're like, oh, hey, where are you? What are you doing now? Oh, I'm in this, I'm in this city. I'm in that city too. Oh my God, let's meet. So you, you, you'll see the same faces. You would be surprised, y'all. You would be surprised for better or for worse. You will be surprised. You will see the same faces that you saw in Thailand. You'll see them in Vietnam or in Malaysia or wherever. So it's just that, that's why I went the backpack backpacking route and that's why I went the Southeast Asia route easy to get around cheap to get around plenty of nice clean social um uh activity filled hostels um so I just there were so many choices and you know I could get stuff last minute it wouldn't cost me an arm and a leg so I just that that is the route I went and that's what I would recommend if you have a limited budget and especially if you want to travel for longer um, I would look into, you know, I would look into doing that, into doing the backpacking thing. So, yeah, so just know with, with the economics part, you don't need a ton of money. Um, so if you do have a limited budget and you're just, you know, you're impatient and you're not wi uh, willing to, uh, spend more time to save up more money or, um, you know, eventually you need to do this, but if you're just impatient, you don't want to invest time into learning a new skill set so you can get a job that pays you more money. Yes, you can start traveling. Um, you just kind of need to set your expectations. If you want to travel longer, then you would probably go the backpacking route in a place like Southeast Asia. Um, if it's a short trip, then you can certainly move up an accommodation, stay at a hotel. Um, but it's probably going to, you know, be for a shorter period of time. So, okay, so the next topic I wanted to talk about the pro um would be is that it's easier to manage your itinerary when you're on a limited budget. So when you've kind of got to figure out how you want to allocate all your resources, you realize, okay, I can't splurge on everything. I can't splurge on food and accommodations and the the walking tours and the you know crazy excursions and the booze because you know you're going to be drinking a bunch of alcohol don't whatever you want to tell yourself beforehand oh well i'm going to use this time to find myself and i'm not going to drink and i'm not uh, you are going to go there you're going to want to drink like everybody else is um, or splurge on transportation, you know, you want the first class seat or whatever the first class version of whatever transportation you're using, uh, you can't splurge on everything. So you've got to pick and choose what you, where you want your money to go to. Um, and, and specifically when I say manager, it's easier to manage your itinerary. You're not going to be filling your day with like 500 different things, um, yes, there's a lot of free things that you can do, but it's kind of like free. And then there's like an asterisk, a lot of that stuff, they, they expect a tip. So technically it's not free and you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, take part in something like that and then not tip somebody. So, um, you know, just, you don't want to be that tourist who feels the need. Don't, don't, don't be like myself. So <clears throat> I've gone to different places and I've tried to fill my schedule with 500 different things to do. And what ends up happening? You've gone on vacation to get away, to de-stress, to, to get your strength and energy back. But then you come back from vacation and you're even more tired than you were when you left. Why? Because you, you, you filled your day with so many different things. Start your day, your, your day at, at 6 a.m., uh, come back at, at, at you know, 11 or 12 
and and try to do the same thing over again the next day for however many weeks you're gone or however many days you're gone. And it's no wonder you're exhausted when you come back. So just be smart about it. You're going to have to deal with jet lag. So that's going to slow you down a bit. Um, you know, not everybody's the best with their diet when they're traveling as well, depending on how long you're going for. So that's going to affect your energy and all of that. So there's really no need to have to do 10, even I say five different things in a day. Like ideally it's like one to two different things a day. It doesn't sound like a lot, but you're in a new place. You don't know how to get around. It doesn't matter how much you research things, things happen. Um, you know, stuff, you know, stuff happens. You got to be flexible. So I would just, I would keep it at like, you know, one, one to maybe three, one to three things a day. Um, uh, and, and having a limited budget will help with that because you can't spend money on a bunch of, of expensive things to do. So you really want to kind of sit down and identify what is important to you. Don't just pick things that are on the top five things to do in Berlin or, you know, top 10 must see things to do in Chiang Mai and, uh, figure out what what do you like to do what what are you interested in look at reviews um don't just do it to you're going to regret it because i regretted it don't just go to a place just so you can take a picture and then leave you're not even going to look you're going to spend all that time taking your photo like everybody else else is spend uh, spend damn near 20 30 minutes taking the perfect photo um you're going to come you're not even going to look at the photo you know, flossing on social media for what? Like, what did you get out of the experience? What was the takeaway? You know, and then you have all these people coming back from their solo trips talking about, well, life didn't change for me. I don't know. I still feel the same. What? Well, it's because, you know, you didn't put meaning into the trip. What What is important to you? What What do you value? Don't just go by what the masses do. And it's fine to pick things that are super touristy as long as it's stuff that's important to you, that you're curious about, that you're interested in. And it's fine. You can show up to something that you thought you'd be interested in and it turns out it's boring or you're just not interested in it. You can bounce. That's fine. You can have a, you know, have a black backup plan or something. But I would I would play, pay close attention. Try and do as much research as you can beforehand and pick things um, that that are that are curious, uh, curious to you. Like I remember I lived in Seattle, but I would play tourist, you know, because Seattle's one of those um, top destinations that people like to go visit. And I had me been meaning to go, I had been meaning to go to the top of the Space Needle and finally, finally went to the top because uh, a girl that I had met backpacking, where was I? Um, I had, a, I did a quick trip to Montreal and it turned out it was the weekend of Formula One. Anyways, so she had come to visit. Um, she had made her way around Canada, was in Vancouver and I told her, yep, we can and that's a long story because I was supposed to host her, but it turned out she had gotten bed bugs. And first of all, and this is why I don't feel bad. This is this is like a little side note. Um, so she was in Vancouver. I'm coming down. Um, oh my gosh, my my luggage is. I've been oh, this is so weird. Whatever. And I'm like oh, okay. You you know, get some ointment. Whatever. So I'm making arrangements, trying to plan out what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to the Space Needle. I think she. It was the next day. Um, I was getting stuff situated with my apartment to make sure it was okay that she, you know, she come, you know, comes and stays with me for a few days. And then she calls me like an hour before and it's just like, oh, it turns out I have, they had bed bugs. And I'm like, what? Um, got bed bugs on her stuff. 
and I don't know, I don't even know if I should put this in the limited, but I, maybe this will be in the cons. I'll see, I'll, I'll need to remind myself. I'll make a note to talk about this in the cons. Um, this is why if you're in this and look, you can get bed bugs everywhere. This is why you're smart like me. You do not mix your suitcase or your all, all the stuff that you've packed. Don't put it on the bed. Keep your ish separated from everything else. Put your suitcase on a table, on the suitcase holder, what, keep it somewhere else. Don't mix your shit with the bed and with everything. Don't do that. So I don't, I don't know why people do that. I, I, it just, it drives me insane. And people are nasty. Why would you put your filthy suitcase on the bed you're going to sleep on? See, see, now I'm, now I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get heated. But anyways, she mixed all her shit, got bed bugs all over herself. You know, I felt bad initially because uh, w w what I'm about to say, um, I felt bad initially. But thinking back, I'm like, no, 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 no. She knew she had bed bugs way more than an hour before uh, letting me know and just expected me to let. I mean, imagine if I had let her stay. So uh, the story is I didn't let her stay at my place. I made up some raggedy excuse and it was a huge, you know, <sighs> She was stressed out. It was a big ordeal. We eventually found um, somebody on, oh my God, what's the website? Couch surfing. We found this like older woman on couch surfing, <coughs> excuse me, that let her stay at her place. It was just like tiny, tight. I didn't even know people lived like this in Seattle. I really did feel bad, but I remember I was talking to my brother and I was just like, can you imagine the shit show if I had let someone with fucking bed bugs into my apartment? Not only would I have been fucked, everybody else around me in the whole, I mean, it would have spread. So in that regards, I don't feel bad at all. And if she really had my best interest at heart, she would have told me a lot sooner than an hour before she was fucking, uh, you know, supposed to arrive. But, um, um, but yeah, I just, I, I just, I, I thought of that story just now um, because she, she came and we, we were going, so anyways, we were going around to the different places. Um, maybe I'll talk more about that story tomorrow uh, or excuse me in the next call. But um, we were going around the different places, the different touristy places. And I remember I was just like, yes, I'm so excited. We waited in line for so long. The line for the Space Needle was so long, went all the way to the top. And I was just like, it, there's like netting there's like this like weird netting so you can't really see the view because the wires are in are are, are, are you know they mess up the view so you've got to stick your camera you've got to stick your camera on your phone in between it so you can get a clear view of the sky and the the skyline and everything but it's just it was a letdown you guys to be honest it was just a letdown like the space needle is much more beautiful from the ground looking up than being at the top um looking down everyone it just it was not it was not good and you know in the elevator as you're going up they're like uh-huh did you know that Grey's Anatomy blah blah it's like is that is that all Seattle's known for Grey's Anatomy it's just like that's all they talk about Grey's Anatomy Grey's Anatomy and they don't even film here um I think I think it's filmed in like LA or something but top of the space needle was a letdown like there's I, I can think of so many different uh uh tourist traps that were just like why did I even come like why did I waste my time now there have been some in Japan there was this um interactive and I forgot the name off the top of my head but this is interactive museum digital art museum and I think they have them around the world now different museums but that was absolutely worth the wait 
Um, so I, you know, so, so not every super touristy thing is a waste of time, but I, you know, I like museums. I'm into things like that. So that was worth the wait. And that was, that was right up my alley. But this space needle thing, I was just like, I could have done without doing this. So just make sure, like I'm trying to drive the point home, make sure you plan your itinerary wisely. You're on a limited budget, really research what interests you, what you're curious about, and don't just go with what, what, um, go with what what the crowd does and you should also know that um speaking of views uh because that space needle view at the top was supposed to be touted as like oh my god it's such a great view and so unique and i'm like yeah there are other places in seattle where you can get a great view and you don't have to wait 500 hours in line to to see it so make note because i remember in kuala lumpur there's the like twin, I don't know if they're called the twin towers, but you can go look it up. It's Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And there's these two, is it Patronus Towers? Peronus? Patronus Towers. Um, that just goes to show you that was a total tourist attraction because I don't even remember the name. But everybody wanted pictures of it and they wanted to go to the right bar or the right place to take photos. Uh, for, th for things like that, and even in London, I remember people saying, okay, if you want to get a good view, go to this bar, go to this place, you're going to have to pay this amount of money. For all those stuff, you can get the alternate, um, there are alternate places that you can go to to get the same, if not better view, and it'll be like a fraction of the price or they won't even charge. So also do your research into that. Um, if you want to get a certain view, if you're into photography or you just, you know, you want to take some nice photos, you don't always have to go to the same place as everybody else is frequenting and having to pay a, a crazy amount for some mediocre, you know, cocktail or whatever. There's different ways to get, um, you know, that perfect skyline shot or what, you know, whatever, whatever kind of photography or view you're trying to get. Um, you can kind of buck what everybody else is doing and, 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 and find an alternate solution for that. So that's, that was that point, uh, pro easier to manage your itinerary and I went through that the next topic I wanted to talk about the next pro is that with a limited budget you tend to be more organized and more punctual um and this was a <laughs> these have been painful lessons last minute changes will cost you oh my gosh last minute changes will cost you um you I just I don't know I just in, in some ways, I was more organized and punctual. In some ways, I got a little bit, I don't know, entitled or lazy. Like, I remember I was leaving Chiang Mai and I was flying, Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I was flying to Malaysia, to Kuala Lumpur. And I was in the car with this German girl because we were both leaving the same day. I don't remember where she was going. But she was like, oh, I need to make sure I have my visa and da, da, da. And I was like, visa? And she's like, yeah, well, the country I'm going to, I need a visa. And I was like, Oh my God, it didn't even, you guys, I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, oh my God, what a privileged thing to happen. And uh, maybe I'll go into privilege another day um, as a black woman overseas. But I was just like, oh my God, I didn't even look to see if I needed a visa for Malaysia. I just assumed my American ass was just gonna strut through and say, yep, uh, visa on arrival. Thank God I, w I did uh, a Google search and thank God, yes, uh, visa on arrival. And it was like 90 days or something, 60 or 90 days. So didn't have to work. And I didn't research this beforehand. It wasn't like, oh, I researched it and forgot. Didn't even occur to me when I was booking the flight. 
hmm, Vanessa, maybe you should double check that you do you have the do you have the paperwork? Do you have your your books, your papers in order? So so that that's so okay let's that moment wasn't my finest moment but in general I tended to be more organized um and more punctual on a limited budget because if you do make a mistake if you miss your flight that's you know not in some cases yes sometimes they'll put you on the next flight in many cases you got to pay extra so you know same with tours if you don't show up at the right time and the tour bus leaves without you, bye girl, no, they're not coming back for you. Yes, you're going to have to reschedule and yes, you will have to pay again. Um, so it's just going to really teach you to be disciplined because if you're not, a lot of times you're going to pay for it either with your time or you're going to have to pay for it with more money. Yes, we can pay for it with our time on a limited budget, depending on how long our trip is. But on the money front, ooh, you're kind of out of luck um, if, if, if you're not organized and punctual. Um, I know for me with the organization part, I, I definitely did a lot of research and on, on the hostels and tours that I wanted to do, especially on the hostels. I was freaking paranoid about like bed bugs and just, I didn't want to be in any unclean situations and just ugh. like I did so much, re so much research on where I was going to stay. And I would say like nine out of 10 times, I picked really, really, really good accommodations. Like they got great reviews. They have what I, you know, that had the different aspects of what I wanted, like bright lighting, um, you know, spaciousness. I mean, the, you there's only so much you can do with spaciousness if you're trying to cram like 500 people in a room. I never picked, I was never, did I, did I ever get to that point during my trip? Maybe, maybe towards the end. Um, but in, in, you know, the initial months of my trip, uh, you know, the, the, the hostel rooms you can fit, I think like just a disgusting amount of people, like 16 to a room, like just ridiculous. And they're not massive, massive rooms, but I don't think I ever went over, let's see, two, I don't think I ever went over six people in a room. And usually those rooms were pretty spacious. There was enough room for everybody. Um, I did get over my fear. I just, I want to say I did get over, this is embarrassing, get over my fear of the co-ed hostels. I don't know why. I was just like freaking out about that. I was like, I don't want to do a co-ed. I don't, no, no, no. Only women, only women. And I don't know what happened. Like it was less expensive. Oh, that's another thing. It's an annoying thing. Um, the co-ed hostel rooms are cheaper than anything involving men. Okay, sorry. I mean, it's just I'm just I'm just being honest. Like the men's hostel rooms were cheaper. The co-ed hostel rooms were cheaper. The women's hostel rooms, the women's only rooms, were more expensive. Somebody make that make sense? Why? Why? Um, so a lot of people I would talk to would say, yeah, I go for the co-ed rooms. The girls I talked to would say they go for the co-ed rooms because they were cheaper. Um, I mean, looking back on it, I'm embarrassed because it'd be like a dollar, two dollars, three dollars cheaper. But like when you're in when you're in that, you know, a backpacker, limited, limited, limited budget mindset, you're just like every dollar counts. So that's the one thing to know if you are, you know, penny pinching. I mean, I'm just calling it what it is. If you're <laughs> if you're on a really, really, really tight budget um, and you're doing the hostel thing, the co-ed hostels tend to be cheaper than the all female uh, hostel rooms the, the the all women rooms definitely smell better I'm just gonna be honest like I remember and it was only it was I feel like I just remember one or two times I think it was like two times one of them it was like I don't know they put cologne some kind of weird cologne and it was just it was disgusting like it reminded me that of that axe um 
Axe cologne that my brothers wore in like middle school and I was just like why are grown men wearing this this is disgusting and I cannot breathe open the goddamn window like you don't need to Febreze the place open the goddamn window and let some fresh air in and that will you know make the place smell better but anyways um I never really had an issue with like weird smells or anything weird and at the all-female hostel um and then there was just one time where some dude just like, ugh, just stunk. Where was he from? He's from like from Germany or somewhere. I'm not trying to paint all Germans one way. I'm just saying he was from Germany. Um, but he smelled like BO, like awful. Um, but other than that, like, you know, most most guys, you know, they're they're hygienic. Most girls are hygienic, whatever. So it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, I definitely did a lot of research in the hostels and the tours that I did because if I didn't like it. Would I be able to get my money back? It depends. Did you get a refundable stay? You know, what are their policies? Um, so, you know, it, okay, you didn't like the tour. Oh, no, that's too bad. Thanks for the feedback, but you're not getting your money back. So, you know, I just, I took time and attention and care into researching things because I knew if I didn't like them or they didn't work out, I'm, I'm out, I'm out the money. So I just, you know, not going to get the money back. So definitely helped me stay more organized and another tip for the hostels and just accommodations in general um yeah really accommodations in general hotels even really nice hotels things look so much better in images and videos online like booking on the actual hotel website hostel website whatever things look better online than they do it in person they have the lighting a certain way they do it, trust me photoshop people it's not just people who are photoshopping themselves they will photoshop some damn rooms make the plants look greener than they are the plant will be dead in real life but it looks alive in the photo people will do all types of 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 uh you know just all types of stuff to make their their space look nicer than it actually is so when i say that i'm i'm saying don't pick something that's like, oh, well, you know, it kind of looks okay. If it kind of looks okay, it's going to be a fucking complete dump. Don't stay there. Go find something that's got great reviews, looks clean and inviting. And I like natural light, so it needs to have windows and stuff. So find something that looks the best. Just find the best, <laughs> the best accommodation you can afford. Something that looks great because it's not even going to look like that. It's going to look a step or two down from that. So if you're already picking something that's like already mediocre, it's going to be even worse than that. So, you know, really try, you know, try to save up more money before you leave. Try to get a better job um, so that you can make more money. Try to get a remote job, whatever. But if you can't, you've got the limited budget. That's fine. Just do as much research as you as you can and find a good, decent hostel um, and and just, you know, really, really look at, you know, the pictures and the reviews and and. And, and, and not all negative reviews are equal. See why people didn't like it. If they said, oh my God, this is the worst hostel I've ever stayed at. And you look at the reason they put as why, and it's like, Ooh, you know, this guy was snoring. Okay, yes, that's a pain in the ass, but did the hostel need to get a, a, a five out of 10 because a guy was snoring? Wear your damn headphones or your earplugs that they usually provide you with and you'll be fine. So look at why they gave it a negative rating. What did they say there was bed bugs and, and people laughed at me and they didn't do anything about it. And they said, you know, F off, you're on your own. OK, yes, that deserves a one out of 10. That that is an absolute legit 
negative review and you should take that into consideration. But if it's something, you know, silly, like somebody snored or, you know, I didn't like this one girl and, you know, whatever, just, just, you can, you can figure out for yourself what's a legit review and what's, um, what's a legit negative or positive review. And, you know, and, and also these, when you research the hostels, what type of vibe are you looking at? Do you want a party environment? Do you want something that's a little bit quieter? Like you can pick up the energy, the atmosphere of a place by the by the photos. And and trust me, they know what they're doing when they post these photos. If they want to portray a party environment, uh fuck all the people like literally you can fuck everybody in your room because everybody's going to be open to they will put those kind of and they're not going to put those kind of photos but you know what i mean like people are going to have uh plastic red cups in their hand and oh my god living my life like they will put a, a, a picture they will paint a picture for you in the photos and in the videos so what is the vibe you're going for are you trying to get a good night's rest or you could give two shits you you're fine with the people next to you having sex girl been there done that i have oh my I don't, the, the things I put myself through, like, I have to do, like, a, a, like, hostile, top 10 hostile stories, like, just had, had some lesbians having sex with, y'all will get to it, and one of them got kicked out, anyways, anyways, that's a story for another day, so just be organized, and this is a highly rated hostel, the time, and, and I still, and I, you guys, I love the hostel, the hostel was great, um, anyways, I'll talk about that story another time. That house, I would recommend that hostel. I saw the ratings actually dropped a little bit, so I don't know what's changed. So maybe I would say somewhere else, but at the time, um, hostel was absolutely fantastic. So yes, so be more organized. Um, a pro with having a limited budget is that you're more organized and punctual and you tend to research better because if you don't, it's going to cost you. It will cost you. Okay, the next travel pro for limited budgets is you travel longer, you get to travel longer. So as a backpacker, depending on your exact budget and how flexible you are and what you're willing to do, I don't mean to make that sound dirty, but (laughs) it depends on how flexible you are and what you are willing to do, like volunteering, um, things like that you can definitely travel longer. And a a key with that, so before I get into the volunteering part, um, you get to travel longer depending on how you're spending your money and how you're allocating it. So are you, and this is a very, this is a very easy thing to do, and I saw it a lot in Southeast Asia. The Southeast Asia backpacking scene was people blowing their money on alcohol. Alcohol, 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 my gosh. I did not know people could like the stereotypes of the Australian um, backpacker or the British backpacker. My freaking. Oh, my God. People can drink. You guys, people can. And and what I found in some of these hostels, these like hostel bars, especially like that alcohol is not even legit. That is some fake ass shit. That is I I smell. I was like, this smells like gasoline. This is it. This should not be legal. Somebody's going to die. I'm sure I'm sure people did that. Um, but I remember we were all taking shots one time. We we this was at a women's hostel. Where the hell was I? In Penang. And we went out for the first night. Just all of us happened to be there. It was just like 10 of us. And we went out to this hostel bar and we were all somebody bought us a round of shots. And I, I could you could smell it from a mile away. And I was like, I was looking at what in the hell? So we're all like, ah, cheers, cheers. As everybody's taking their sip, I like fling mine behind me and there's like a tiny bit and then I drink and I was like, 
Ugh, it was disgusting. It was disgusting. I don't know what kind of fake ass shit was in there. Um, but I didn't drink it. I think I had like a, like a drop hit my tongue, but, um, yes, as a backpacker, you get to travel longer. And, um, if you're flexible and you're willing to do things like travel, um, excuse me, things like volunteering, there's a program called Workaway. That's the program I use. There's different volunteering, um, platforms, but I used Workaway. Really the first, the first, um, volunteering opportunity I had was in Penang, and it was at the women's hostel I was staying at. The two girls, um, it was these two British girls, and we were actually planning on going to, what was the island called? Langkawi? Langkawi? Langkaw? It, it's another island in Malaysia. And I was supposed to go with them. I ended up not going. I was just like, no, I want to stay here. And the hostel owner, um, she needed obviously replacements because these two girls had been helping another girl, um, keep, you know, maintain the, maintain the property. So I had volunteered and I said, yes, cause I had seen them doing their little jobs, a little light cleaning. They probably should have been deep cleaning more, but they were doing some light cleaning. And I was like, Hey, you know, I can do that. Um, I can help check people in. I think I had stepped in a couple times when one of them was like busy doing something else. So I was like, yep, I could. And I definitely like that part. I, you know, you're the, you're the face, you're the first person they see when they come, you know, they come into the hostel, tell them to take their shoes off come on in how was your fly where did you go how long have you been traveling I mean everybody has pretty much the same story but you're just like super welcoming so uh, you know I was flexible with that I was trying to stretch my money and I had I was looking for some some you know volunteering opportunities something I know people will volunteer at like those little cat cafes or those dog cafes or whatever the themes are but I was like I like this hostel I like Penang a lot like I had really gotten settled there so I was like hey why not um I ended up staying in Penang I was supposed to stay in Penang for like a few days like I was supposed to I think I arrived like midweek I was supposed to be gone the following Monday I ended up staying there for like over a month like and it doesn't sound like a lot but in like backpacking time a month is a very long time like because you connect with people I use I use the word connect loosely, but you connect with people, you you spill your guts in such a short period of time when you're traveling. Um, and so it's just I don't know, time kind of slows down. So a month is a super long time, especially when I only intended to be there for like less than a week. So, yes, traveling, you'll travel longer. That's a pro with a limited budget. And with the volunteering, with things like um, with things like Workaway, you you know you acquire different skill sets as well. Um, that's kind of a little uh, bonus uh, pro um, with the hospitality thing, greeting people, um, managing um, a facility, making sure there's enough clean sheets, pillows. Um, you know, depending on the accommodations, do you guys serve breakfast or you know whatever? Um, just managing different things. So. Um, that, those were good skill sets to to learn and to to have and to be able to adapt and stuff. Because um, that happened off a whim. She was just like, well, hey, you, I know you really well. I trust you. You knew those girls. They trusted you. You stepped in a couple times. Like, is this something you'd be willing to do? You won't have to pay. That was the exchange in, in exchange for me having um, accommodations, um, just, you know, do a little bit of cleaning, do a little of 
a little bit of uh, uh, hospitality, welcoming the guests, showing them to their room, answering their questions. Here's what you should do in Penang, go to this museum, go have this view of this city, go to these restaurants, blah, 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 whatever. So, you know, became my own little like travel advisor, tourist, uh, a travel advisor or, or tour guide. So that was kind of cool. Um, so yeah, so that was the pro travel longer. You get to travel longer. Um, the next one is the next pro with uh, traveling on a limited budget is there's less tourists and crowds when you're traveling. Um, at least there tends to be. So one of the biggest tips that I saw when I was researching my initial solo traveling trips was everybody said travel in the off season, travel off season, travel in the spring, travel in the winter, um, travel in the fall. Um, the kids, one thing, and I'm not anti-kids, but I'm just saying like, you know, places that tend to be super crowded, there's a lot of families, a lot of kids screaming, the parents, hell, the parents are screaming, you know, don't touch that, sit down. Da, da, da. So there's just less people. It's quieter. It's, it's quieter, less crowds, less tourists. And I'm not saying that in an uppity way, like, you know, ugh, less tourists. You are a tourist. I don't care how local you think you are. You are a tourist. Um, so I'm not saying in a way that I'm not a tourist. But let's be honest, you know, we see these travel photos on social media. And this is one of the deceptive things about social media. You see um, your favorite travel blogger or travel, what do they call them? Travel influencer posing. And they're posed in a certain way where you think, oh, my God, I'm going to be able to go there to the Eiffel Tower or wherever. And I'm going to have the place all to myself because this person's posing and there's OK. But do you know when they went? Do you know if there was some kind of Photoshop editing to the photo to make it look like they were the only person? Like, you don't know, you don't know the context behind these photos, behind these videos. Um, a lot of times they've got to wake up super, super early in the morning or this is like really late at night. Um, they've, they have to plan certain times um, throughout the day when they can get these shots. Like, it, it's crazy on different tours I've done around the world, like, the tour, these tour guys are on it. They know, they know when the heavy traffic's going to come. They're like, come on, come on quickly, quickly. We only have like literally a few minutes for you to get that, that shot that you wanted, that photo that you wanted before all these people um, come storming through. Um, so, so I would say when you have a limited budget, it's definitely works in your favor to go in the off season. How, but, but I will say if you do travel in the high season and I'm using my perspective as a, as a local, um, and I use Seattle is a really good example. Seattle and San Francisco, hell, even Chicago. Um, I avoided this touristy spots like in Seattle, Pike Place Market. It's like everybody goes to Pike Place Market. I avoided that like a plague, like I think definitely in the summertime. Um, just so many people. And to be honest, I personally liked Vancouver's market much better. I forgot what it's called. What was what is our market called? What is their market called? They have a market very similar to Pike Place. And I forgot what it's, it's like Victoria Island Market or something like that. I happen to like the the Vancouver one much better than the, I, the Seattle one's fine. The Seattle one's fine. But I like the Vancouver one better. But anyways, I avoided that area like the plague. Way too many goddamn people. Way too many people. Way too many people. So if you are going into, going to a place during high season times, try and visit those touristy places that you're interested in 
because we just talked about don't just go because everybody else is going go because you want to go um i would visit those places during certain times of the day so if i wanted to go to pike place market and i wanted to get like they had really good chowder what else did i i would get i would get um they had good apple cider depends on the time of year um but there'd be certain things i want to go get down there really good vegan um baked goods as well oh my gosh see now i want to go plan a trip to seattle anyways just lots of good food in Seattle, lots of good food in that market area, lots of, um, you know, different local businesses you can support. Um, just go and go during times where people aren't going to be there. Go early in the morning. Like um, I and I haven't been in downtown Seattle in a while, but like oof, I wouldn't say go at night because, you know, they've got some issues with homelessness and just aggressive homelessness. So I would just I would pick certain times times peak times where there's not going to be a ton of people there um but i would also look at other there's other markets in seattle i know they make it seem like pie place is the end-all be-all market there are other neighborhood markets there's um and of course now i can't even think of the like thousand neighborhoods that are in seattle um oh my god hold on let me let me get out a map one second Okay, this is real time people. Okay, yes. Okay, so there's different neighborhoods. Okay, this is perfect because I have the map out. Well, it's I have it's been a while since I've lived in Seattle, so you know I'm a little rusty. So the Pike Place Market is basically downtown, but there's so many different neighborhoods. Now, is the public transportation that good? No, but it's decent. It's good enough. It's good enough. You know, I'm sh hopefully it's improved since since I you know since I was in Seattle last. Um, but there's so many. There's like neighborhood markets. You can go in the Queen Anne area. You can go in the Fremont area, Ballard area. Um, where else? Capitol Hill. Um, oh my God. The Lake Union, South Lake Union area. Um, there's so many different neighborhoods. They've got different things going on, different markets, different restaurants, different vibes going on. There's so many different green spaces and waterfront views. You, I, I cannot say, you know, yes, Seattle has its faults. Um, but with the way you can get around without needing a car. And even if you do need a car, it trap, you know, well, I don't want to say traffic isn't too bad. It depends on what <laughs> depends on what time of day, depends on the day. Um, but just know that there's different attractions in those cities. So you're not just stuck to um, whatever's on the top things to do in this city. Seattle has so many different things going on that are that don't make those top 10 lists, th uh, lists of things to do. Don't ever feel pigeonholed that you have to go to the top places to go to and don't feel like you have to go during the busy times either try and go um during the quiet times and there's so much natural beauty in in cities like seattle hell even chicago with lake michigan um and san francisco as well with its parks as well oh my gosh um they also have a homeless aggressive homeless issue um maybe i'll do a call on that um because that's something that tours uh, tend to mention a lot and that's those are things people have told me about pe America people travelers that come to America that are not expecting the amount of homelessness that there is so anyways that's another topic for another day but yes when you have a limited budget you tend to travel in the off season and there's less tourists and there's less crowds and it just makes for a better experience you don't want to be shoulder to shoulder with people um and and this is another tip especially places like like a San Francisco, like, you know, really hustly bustly places like that, like 
avoid taking the public transportation during rush hour. Like I remember taking Muni and that's like their, what do you call Muni? Is it like, it turns, it goes underground, but it, it, but it's like a bus, a trolley, a train. I don't like, I don't, it's like all of those in one, a bus, train, subway, trolley. I don't know. Cause it goes underground and then it, and then it's on top. I don't know. Anyways, don't take Muni during rush hour. And I think rush hour at the time was like four to six or something. Like just try to avoid those like super, um, super busy areas when the locals are going to be coming, leaving work and going home or going to grocery store, going to the bar, whatever. So just try to do whatever, try to get to the place you need to go to and be settled by four. Um, you know, so that, that's when it kind of pays to pay attention to how the locals are living, not to be a pretentious traveler and be like, I'm going to make a local, but just to like save yourself the headache and not be in crowds and shoulder to shoulder, you know, just for me, it just, I don't know that, that makes me anxious when I'm in a super crowded place. And it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't like it. I like it when it's quieter and less people and it's more manageable. So um, that's just something to to take into consideration. But yeah, one of the one of those pros is that when you have a limited budget, it kind of directs when you're going to travel, what time of year you travel. And and I'm all for traveling at a time where there's not too many people so that you can you know, you can be selfish and, and enjoy whatever is whatever it is you're experiencing or looking at. You kind of feel like you have the place to yourself. So that's that, that's that's awesome. Um, the next pro I wanted to talk about is um, you get to know yourself. You get to know yourself. And actually, this is my this is my last pro. Um, you get to know yourself so that you can start being honest with yourself. So I this was like a huge these I had so many rev- revelations when I was backpacking um, in Southeast Asia. It was like, what can I live with? No, and I still have these. The more I travel differently, travel to different places, you know, travel to more expensive um, cities, stay in more expensive accommodations. It's like, what can I live with and what can I live without? What causes me stress and how does that stress manifest itself like if I compare my time and this is why I have to not redo but I want to go back to some of those places in Southeast Asia and in East Asia like Taiwan like I know I'm going to have a fantastic time when I go back to Taiwan and travel the way I'm currently traveling now how I traveled when I went there the first time as like like that was on the tail end that was like towards the end of my backpacking trip like Oh my God, I need to, I'm not going to redo it because that's in the past and I learned about myself and I don't, I don't regret that trip at all, but I need to do Taiwan traveling like I do now, you know, luxury minimalist style. Like I I need to go back and, 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 and just do things differently. Um, but when I, when I asked that question about what causes me stress and how does that stress manifest itself? Like when, especially when I was in Taiwan and Vietnam, like the smoking, like I smoked so much. I smoked so I had stopped smoking for a couple years. Like I think I smoked one. Okay. I had smoked, I had stopped for a couple years. I think I smoked one cigarette my 28th birthday and I was in Australia and then like was sick the rest of the time. It was a hot mess. I like literally like two cigarettes and then I didn't smoke at all and I was sick. Um, 
but I definitely picked it up when I was in by the time I got to Taiwan and then definitely in Vietnam and I was just like smoking multiple cigarettes a day I never got to the I've never gone to the point where I'm smoking I'm smoking multiple packs but um, and I've since quit smoking but um, I was smoking a lot and that was the stress manifesting manifesting itself. Like I was just stressed. I didn't know where my money was going to come from. I was asking my parents for money. I had refused to teach English. Like I had told myself, okay, when once I start running low on money, I'll just teach English. But then when it came time to do the teaching English, I would just come up with all these different excuses of why I didn't want to do it. So it was just, I wasn't being honest with myself and you know, that stress builds up, that anxiety builds up. And then you, you know, I'm chain smoking, I'm fucking chain smoking, smoking at like freaking 7am in the morning, like just, you know, smoking before breakfast, smoking after breakfast, smoking before lunch, smoking after lunch, smoking before dinner, smoking after dinner, uh, smoking a couple times before going to sleep, like just, just a hot ass mess. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to judge anybody who smokes cigarettes, whatever, like, trust me, I'm not judging you at all. But like that was a as a result of being stressed out and not being honest with myself. Um, another way that I was getting to know myself was I was learning the boundaries, learning my boundaries with regards to people that I wanted to surround myself with. Um, and a lot of times during my trips, you know, sometimes I get lonely and I realized I was putting up with people that I normally wouldn't put up with, but because I was lonely, I was like, well, it's better than being by myself. No, actually it turns out it's a lot better be <laughs> a lot better being by myself than being with this other person. Um, so yeah, so I learned my boundaries with regards to that. People I wanted to surround myself with. The amount of money that I feel I need to have um, to make me feel like I'm okay, like I can't, and I don't need to name the amount, but I can't go below a certain threshold. Like I don't do well, like when I don't have a lot of money in the bank. account. <laughs> like, I just, I just realized that like, I just, I don't know. There's, there's a different, I just feel a different way. I act a different way when I have a, you know, and yes, I could get cancer tomorrow. You know, someone could get, you know, I could get an illness or whatever, and I could completely wipe whatever savings I have. I understand that, but it's just something about having that, like, that bit of money in your account that you can access if shit hits the fan, like you just, I just carry myself differently. I interact with people differently. I don't put up with shit that I would if I didn't. So it's just, I know I need a certain amount of money. I need to be making a certain amount of money. I need to have a certain amount of money. And maybe that's even more important. I need to be making a certain amount of money. Um, with regards to learning your boundaries, the type of accommodations. So I definitely learned this in Taiwan. I was doing, so I had started volunteering. I said I was doing some volunteer work in exchange for a room and board um, at a hostel in Penang. And so I decided, you know what? That's how I'm going to stretch my dollar even more when I go to Taiwan. Big fucking mistake. Oh my God. I like love Taiwan. The fact that I love Taiwan and I had such shitty experiences back, and these were these were all backpacking related and like personal, like emotional management issues. Like the fact that I can still say I love Taiwan, I already know I'm gonna have such an amazing time when I go with you know a bigger budget, better mental health, and just it's just gonna be it's gonna be spectacular. But um, at the time, so I was I was doing volunteer work, y- y'all. We should have been paid. Basically, I'm volunteering with this hostel along with some other people who are like people my age in their 20s. They were learning uh, Mandarin. 
and um, basically sent to this husband and wife's different properties around Taipei to like clean clean shit up, you know, clean up the, and, and we were cleaning accommodations. I think they were like, what would you call them? Guest houses or like dorms, like other people, I guess other students from around the world who were also there in Taipei to learn Chinese, to learn Mandarin. And it was just, we were doing way too much work. Like the exchange, it was like, okay, you get a bed and you get, you know, a shitty breakfast and da da da, da you know, the, the amount of work we were putting in and what we were getting out, it was it like, it wasn't even equal at all. It was fucking ridiculous. And I didn't last long. I think I lasted like, and it sounds like, it doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it was so, oh my God, it just felt like forever. I think it lasted like two and a half weeks, three weeks. I don't think it was three weeks. I think it was two and a half weeks and it felt like a month. It just, it was just, it no 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 I don't think it was two weeks I think it was three or oh my god Taiwan I also spent like a month and a half in how long did I last there was it two weeks okay I have to go look this up but anyways types of accommodations I remember we were cleaning one of the properties up and it was me and this other guy that because we typically got paired with each other he was he was funny um where was he from he was from Hong Kong um or he was like, he's Cantonese, I think. Cantonese part of China or something like that. Anyways, we were cleaning one of the properties and the students were there. They had just got back from a celebration. Usually we try to clean when nobody's there, you know, less humiliating. Like, I'm just going to be completely honest, you guys. Like, you can be like, oh, well, you should be proud. You know, you were taking care of yourself. And I did not come all the way to fucking Southeast Asia to be cleaning, pulling long hairs out of the fucking drain, cleaning up poop out of a toilet and scrubbing someone's, you know, filthy stovetop. Like, I didn't go all the way to Asia for shit like that. Like, light cleaning, you know, welcoming guests. Like, just light volunteering. Not heavy-duty shit that you should be paying folks a salary and, and some damn health insurance. Like, hell no. So I just remember those students coming back and this one of the students, he was just, the way he looked at me, like, this, like, pity. Like, he just, he felt guilty while they were all, like, he was, I, he was watching me. I could feel somebody watching me and I look over and he's watching me. All the, you know, the, the girls are celebrating whatever and he's just looking over at us and we're just scrubbing away. And I remember I was, I really deep cleaned an area and the owner happened to be there, like, the owner of the properties and he was like, okay, I want you guys to go back and do that again. And I was just like, I cracked. I was like, I am not doing this. I, I remember that's when I was plotting, like, I need to go somewhere else. I need to, I don't know why I put myself in this situation. I have no one to blame but myself. At that moment, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what city I need to go to next or if I'm just leaving Taiwan altogether. And I ended up going to Tainan. And that's a whole, my God, that's a whole nother story. We got to do a whole, like, backpacking in Taiwan episode, like, what to do and what not to do. My gosh. But um, I just remember the look this guy gave me, this, like, pathetic pity look. And I was just like, I'm better than, th-. like, I don't know how else to say this. Like, I don't want this to be, like, a PC um, platform, uh, these calls to be PC. I'm just going to say, ooh, say it like it. Like, I just felt, I was like, why am I doing this to myself? What a fucking masochist. Like, I didn't, like, my parents have been begging me to come home. Like, you're out of money. You won't go teach English. Well, what the hell are you going to do? Like, I just hit a low, like, and I, at the same time I hit this low point, I also had a huge appreciation for, like, my mom for, like, cleaning after our filthy asses, you know, because I, I had 
three other brothers, um, cleaning up after us and, and just hospital, uh, not hospital. Well, yeah, sure. Fine. Hospital people who clean up after patients and, you know, clean the hospitals and stuff. Um, but just people who work in hospitality, the people who have to clean our toilets and our showers and just clean, you know, clean up bodily fluids. And I just had this whole other, there are people who do this they don't get to just quit after a couple weeks. They do this for decades. They do this to put food on the table for their kids, to send their kids to call. Like, I had a whole new appreciation for people who work in hospitality and do all this dirty, filthy, nasty, shitty work. And I was like, I will be damned if I do this ever again. I was just, I was so done. I was so fucking done. Um, but, but you know what? I wouldn't have had that moment, that clarity, had I not, you know, had I, now I didn't really need to put myself in that situation, but I don't regret it. I don't regret those experiences that I had, but it definitely helped me get to know myself. What type of occupations I wanted to do, the quality of life I wanted in general. Did I really want to have to put in X, X amount of work that kind of do that kind of drudgery just to get a little bit of money or even like just put in all that effort and energy and be exhausted and be too exhausted to even spend if I made a lot of money doing that to even spend that amount of money because I'm too tired. Like I was really assessing the quality of life. What do I want my life to look like? How much work do I want to put in? How much energy do I want to put in? What do I want the output to be? Like you learn a lot when your back is against the wall. My God, you learn so much about yourself. So I'm thankful. I'm so thankful. Um, you know, even though those situations were tough, I learned a lot about myself. And when you're in that situation, you cannot hide. Like I felt so exposed. I was just like, I don't know that interaction. And it was nonverbal, that nonverbal interaction just me. I couldn't run anywhere. I had to look at myself and be like, is this really what you want? Is this how you want to live? Like, who Lord, oh my gosh. So I definitely realized about myself. I can't get by on a minimal amount of money. And, and, you know, just, I had to, I, I completely revamped my whole lifestyle when I came back, um, came back from my backpacking trip. I mean, just, I had to literally start from scratch. There was no cutting the line. I had to start at square one. What kind of work did I want to do? Did I want to work remotely? And I, and I got the remote, everything that I, that I, that I wanted. I, and I remember the list that I made, everything I wanted, I got, I have. So I remember the, the type of work I wanted to do. Did I want to have to go into the office every day? Or did I want to work remotely? The type of people I wanted to work with, the type of managers. Did I want micromanagers? Did I want mentors? Like all of it. I wrote all of it out and worked with, with a mentor and job training and did all this work on myself to get to where I am now. And I wouldn't have gotten there had I not hit the kind of rock bottom that I hit when <laughs> that I hit I'm just being honest y'all the kind of rock bottom that I hit I mean it was wretched like it was I like I said we'll save that for another call but the wretched stuff this doesn't even sound like a pro call but I promise it's a pro like when you get to know yourself and when you get to a point where you can be honest with yourself lie to everybody else right lie to everybody else but if you cannot be honest with yourself you are fucked you are fucked and whatever you think Whatever good things you think are going to come to you, they may come to you for a short period of time, but you're going to fuck them up. You're going to sabotage yourself and you are going to screw yourself over. So you better start getting real, real honest with yourself about what you're willing to put up with, what you're willing to do, what, what you're not willing to do um, so that you can get it. You're not going to get it if you're not honest with yourself and if you don't name it and call it out and claim it for yourself. So, so that's the last point I wanted to cover. 
um, um, with the pros of, of, of limited with, of traveling with a limited budget. Um, they're all important topics, you know, economics, um, traveling longer, being organized, you know, having a, a minimal itinerary so you can really, um, get the full experience, really immerse yourself in a few things rather than stretching yourself thin with a lot of things. So they're all, they're all important topics, but I definitely, you know, I ended on the, the most important topic, which is getting to know yourself so that you can be honest with yourself. Um, that, that I want that to be the takeaway with all my classes. I want you to really get to know yourself and you can do that um, when you, when, when you travel. Now, I feel like with other platforms, it's a little surfacey, a little too surfacey for my taste. Um, so I'm definitely going to continue delving into the, 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 the lessons, um, um, that I, you know, the lessons and the wisdom that I've accumulated along the way with my travels. Again, like I said, at the start of the call, a lot of these things I had to learn on my own people, you know, there was no one to exchange that information with people were pretty surface and you know just a lot of people don't want to get into the nitty-gritty but you know here we're going to talk about that stuff it'll be fun you know maybe you'll cry you'll be excited you know you're going to experience a whole range of emotions so yeah so that's that's the end of the call that is my um that is my traveling on a limited budget the pros um the next call will be the cons we'll talk about like economics inconvenience, planning, discomfort, getting a help and assistance, being flexible. And then we'll finish off the series with the, with the bonus edition um, with COVID-19, the topic of COVID-19. So um, thank you again for listening. Um, I hope you took some notes. And if you have any questions, you can always uh, reach out to me. Thanks so much. And I will see you in the next call. Bye.